Copen and Copenhagen, Copen and Copenhagen, Copen and Copenhagen, Copen and Copenhagen. This is a podcast about hanging out in Copenhagen. Hello and welcome to Six Show Podcast, Coping Copenhagen on 97.7 FM. My name is Owen and I'm joined by Marius. Yeah, det er dejligt at være her. Hey. Tak fordi jeg må komme. No problem. Uh, yes, you are listening to Coping Copenhagen, the Six Show Podcast. We talk about a modern guy living in the city of Denmark. And now I did it again. The city of Copenhagen in the country of Denmark. Yes. And we talk about lots of things. And Marius, what are we talking about today? Well, it's a oh, it's a lovely one. Oh, it's a, it's a, compared to the others. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Um, well, we'll kick it off with the the uh, three uh, hot uh, stories off the press. You're going to say hot tips there, weren't hot you? Hot tips, hot stories, <laughs> hot stories off the press. Yeah. Um, and then we're joined uh, by a, a, a good friend, uh, a, a stand-up comedian, uh, a father, a writer. Um, just uh, a renaissance man, <laughs> right. Adrian McKinder. Adrian McKinder's in the house. Yes. Wonderful. Uh, uh, he here to talk about his uh, his book. He's written a book ah. about Stan Lee. Very cool. Marvel. Very cool. We have a fascinating uh, talk with him. Cool. And uh, then we'll, uh, we have dug really deep and found more hot tips. <laughs> It's getting harder and harder every week. <laughs> But uh, God damn it, if we haven't done it again. There are things to do. There yes. are things to do. Okay. All right. Well, let's... Let's find out what those things are. You're on sick. Yeah. Sorry, that was not to mock you. I I don't know why I'm stuttering. I'm in a stuttery mood today. I'm not sure why. Is it because of your uh, lack of coffee intake? As you told me about that you have uh, cutting reduced, down, uh, reduced my coffee. In- Ironically, like un un, uh, well, un- unexpectedly, yeah, less. I'm getting jittery without my coffee. Oh, that's just strange. That's, that's, And uh, I'm shivering because it snowed. This morning, but anyway, true. I'm not gonna. I'm, I got really angry with the weather this morning. Me too. I, got I was so really angry, angry with it. on the way over here. Yeah, because I had headwind. Yeah. Ah, oh, that just fucks me off. Yeah, it was. It was especially when it's like a there's a few breaks in between. Mm-hmm. It's like oh okay, it's okay here, and then it goes woof, yeah right in your kisser. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, it could really uh, really get my uh, nipples in a twist. <laughs> they say. What's 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 the news, Marius? Oh, you want to hear the news about about my nipples and how they can twist? I'm right for that. Okay. Well, uh, in the news roundup, AstraZeneca, they uh, they made a vaccine. Yes. Uh, But... um, Barely. Barely. (laughs) Barely. Uh, It turns out that uh, there are... um, There's been uh, some side effects um, connected to this vaccine. Okay. Um, Which is, of course, uh, concerning. Um, And... Denmark has now sort of uh, together with six under six other countries um sort of uh, blocked the the vaccine that we're not using it currently um some of the side effects uh, so far as I could tell has been like uh, blood cloths I believe it's called blood cloths yeah blood proper uh, as we say in Danish mm. um and yeah um and one death and one death which makes it serious uh, mm-hmm. So um, yeah, six other countries I've said: uh, Austria, Estonia, Lithuania, Luxembourg. Is that a country? Uh, and uh, Latvia have all uh, dropped uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, but uh, over 142,000 Danes have already uh, received their first jab with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the worst case scenario, uh, Denmark will will push uh, sort of its uh, completion of its COVID vaccination program to sometime in mid August. 
uh, is, is what the, the sort of they're saying. Oh, God. Yes. I've just realized the knock-on effects of that. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but like we were talking about last week, we are trying to collaborate uh, with Austria, aren't we, uh, to make our own vaccines? Oh yeah, um, we uh, went to uh, the Danish prime minister went to Israel with yeah. the uh, Austrian prime minister. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Norway was supposed to be involved in this also, but they they dropped out. Something got, something came up. Yeah, that they go. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. Um, so yeah, but but that's not going to help us t- uh, anytime soon. Yeah. But, uh, no, no, of course not. No, no, no. It no. takes a while to build a factory, and uh, sort of there's a lot. It's the old say- as the old saying goes. Yeah. It takes a while to a build a factory. Factory wasn't built in a day. No, nope. just like Rome. Unless you're um, in, um, I want to honestly Mormon, not Mormon. Let's say the um, one of the guys who witness one of those guys. Uh, I have no idea where you're going. The the, the, the dudes who the, the the German religion in America. German religion. Well, they're all they're like ancestry German, uh, and they 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 div. Uh, disavow all Amish. technology. Ah, thank you, Amish. Yeah, they built in in the movie. They build a, a shed in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a shit in a day. Don't know what that means. Go on. Uh, currently, uh, sort of uh, the link between the vaccine and blood clots are are inconclusive. Uh, though uh, one of the reported deaths was reported here in Denmark. Mm. Uh, so they're still investigating this. But uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Shouldn't p- throw too much of a monkey wrench into yeah. the uh, reopening plans. Cool. Um, speaking of uh, reopening, uh-huh. uh, there was a demonstration uh, that was about to, that was supposed to take place today, um, and uh, this was a reopening today, the eleventh. Today, the eleventh yeah. of March. Yes, um, and uh, that was a reopening sort of party demonstration. Uh, organized by something uh, called the the freedom movement or okay. something. Um and yeah, the idea was that they were going to sort of set up shop or sort of have a big demonstration on Rosenplatzen yeah. uh, here in Copenhagen uh with uh, music and stages and food stalls and you know the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. And the only way they could sort of wow, do this really? legally, yes, was because it was labeled as a, a demonstration. And uh, you can still can do we a, can we can we call Ruskill a demonstration? I yep, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you could. Yeah. Um, but um, despite there being sort of uh, yeah, Nick Hegerup, uh, one of the the minister you quite often see in the news, mm-hmm. um, he was out sort of strongly warning against going to this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Be due to the dangers that you might contract COVID, and yeah. that can be dangerous. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was cancelled, not due to concerns about COVID, what? but because the weather was. Ah, okay. Seems like uh, they could uh, fight the good fight against the sort of uh, COVID and vaccines and sort of lockdowns and stuff. Uh, but a bit of rain. Bit of rain. Now, Hurt some people, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, they had a video out, sort of stating it was it was too sort of wasn't someone, safe to someone, put up stages. And someone stuff could like catch that. a cold. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a bit rich, um, but yeah. So um, that's not happening. Today. Okay, all right. But uh, yeah, they say they will sort of uh, re. They're looking for a new date to do it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, finally, and this might bring some 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 spark some joy. Yeah, <laughs> just like that. Yeah. Um, 
According to Mette Frederiksen, um, despite all this AstraZeneca uh, vaccine uh, sort of uh, setback, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, is is pretty confident that we will have a normal summer. And by normal summer, she means festivals, stuff like this. Ooh. She's uh, yeah said this. Oof. That's a that's a pretty that's like a she's not statement. said it's definitely gonna happen, but she says she's very sort of optimistic and positive. <laughs> wow, Miller, I mean, that's, it's a dangerous one to to sort of uh, yeah throw in the mix uh, at the moment where everything is still kind of up in the air. Yeah, yeah. but um, oh, it would be nice. I'm, it yeah, would be if nice if it's safe and and we can do it. I'm I'm all I'm all good for it. But there's there's remin there's there's like there's little there's little like glimpses of of normality happening now. Like people are able to get a beer, sit outside. Mm-hmm. The weather, except for today, has been pretty good. Yeah, uh, people can go for long walks in the park. I mean, winter's winter's nearly over. Mm. I want I want to say you I can't say. I, I can't say it because it fucking snowed this morning. But yeah, and sometimes it snows in April. So. I, I I as I was cycling uh, here today, I said for fuck's sake, what did I say? I I called it December. Okay, I got confused. I was like fucking December. Will <laughs> you ever end? <laughs> Well, that's like the Danish poem that goes. Uh, oh yeah, what was all it? the months, and then it just goes November, 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 <laughs> November, 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 November. <laughs> yeah, very much. It's so. a lovely country, very much. So. Um, but uh, what was that? Yeah, so I want to say there was a bonus to listeners who uh, caught the Prince reference in the news. I, I like when you put little Easter eggs in our in yeah. our recordings. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of, of things that kind of brighten you up and and, and little glimmer, what did you say? Glimmer like spark sparkling, joy, spark joy. Yeah. Um, Adrian McKinder he sparks joy. He certainly does. Uh, friend of the show, comedian, writer, uh, writer for the Copenhagen Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, are, if you've clicked on the Copenhagen Post, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, you may often see Adrian McKinder writing about his McKinder McKindergarten, writing about his, the, the 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 highs and lows of being yeah. a father, an English father. In Denmark. Yep. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about his new book, Stanley and how Marvel changed the world. He started off by telling us, yes, yes, he is going to do the audiobook himself. Yes, I will be doing the audiobook. Are you, I was will going you? to ask, are you going to do oh, Great. I'm, I'm a big believer that the audiobook should always be read by the person who wrote it, regardless. That the, um, well, unless they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Dickens audiobook, you're gonna have to just deal with someone. Yeah. Else. yeah. Um, you know, Michael Fassbender or someone. A lot of a lot of politicians will just be ghostwriters as well. So you're just gonna have like, you know, Tony Blair's book read by a guy you've never heard of. Exactly. You know, I mean. By Alan Smithy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of course, I mean, I, I'm doing them a favor actually because I think that you know they would probably have to get someone in. But it's like, well, hey, I'm a you've got a built-in VO. Yeah, yeah. In the writer, so I will do. I will read it. I was then faced with a dilemma, of course, of do I. Do I do accents when I'm doing quotes? Because every single person that is referenced in the book is American. Oh, okay, okay. And I think no. I think in the end I just won't because I think it'd be weird. I yeah, could but, do, but it'd be weird. But you, you, it's good to have the. Oh, please do. <laughs> well, especially, the... if I, especially if it's a Stan Lee quote because everyone knows his voice. Because mm. he always do the voice. The king of cameo. Excelsior. <laughs> That was good, right? That was good. It was more Ian McKellen. Well, whatever. It was not me, uh, which is good. Of, uh, and I knew, of course, that being Gandalf was an absolute dream role. I covered the man in second darkness like Excelsior. Um, Get Ian McKellen to play Ian McKellen Gandalf to do it. To read. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Come on, we're late to be trimming the verge, don't you think? Um, no, I will be uh, Excelsior. He's oh, like, he's kind of, you know, but it's all true really believer. Yeah. It, it'd be so silly if I'm reading. And then Stan 
decided to publish a comic. I knew that if I could publish a comic, you know. Like, I, yeah, I think I think it would probably take me out of the audiobook. Well, I think so. But it's good to have the audio. Might still be readers. enjoyable, but yeah, yeah, it would be a different experience. Because then yeah. I feel I've opened the door and I need to then mimic the voices of everyone who I've got quoted. Yeah. So I then discover someone who might. Well, obviously, Stan didn't do any of the work himself. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone spoke like that. Yeah. And that would take even me out. Mm. So I just think I'm just going to read it. I was been listening to audiobooks for years, so I think, okay, what do they do in those situations? Mm-hmm. They often get around it by... A friend of mine wrote a really good book about all the um, the first wave of Saturday Night Live people. So all the people we grew up with watching in movies. So it's the Chevy Chase, Eddie Murphy's, Dan Aykroyd's, Bill Murray's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a really good book. I recommend it. It's called Wild and Crazy Guys. Mm-hmm. Fucking, oh, I've heard of it, yeah. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. But he's, a, he's a friend of mine. And he, of course, got around that by never having to make that decision because he's not a voiceover. He's just a writer and his voice is not you know, voiceover. Mm-hmm. So he just hired an actor to do the part, mm-hmm. to, to read the book, and it's an American actor, therefore problem solved. Mm-hmm. So if I was of money, you'd kind of think, well, that's the other option to hire an American mm-hmm. actor. Mm. Like, Greg. But, but the thing, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the proper then cadence then. Be you're, you're the one who wrote it. Yeah, you're the one to tone the, the, like, the way to deliver each line. Yes. I think it totally, I think it, it would also give for the American uh, readers or uh, would be listeners in this case, I suppose. Uh, I think having a, 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 a distinguished British accent behind it would give it a bit more uh, clout. They'll assume I'm a villain, naturally. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what'll yeah, happen. Yeah. They'll go, what's his angle? Is he going to besmirch? Because mm. another book's come out by Stan, about Stan. Stanley oh. this year, around about the same time, but it's got quite a lot. It's got a very aggressive uh, publicity machine behind it, like the articles and excerpts appearing in the New Yorker and mm-hmm. really high level stuff. He's a very well Israeli journalist, but it 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 feels from what I've read, and I haven't read the book, but it's a bit of a hatchet job. It's very trendy to bash Stan. Stan? Is this oh, the one yeah. the rise and fall? Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw, yeah. I saw, I saw something about that. Yeah. It's going down that line that he was a hack and he, you know, may well have not done anything himself. And it's just not true. <laughs> and it's very it's very easy to bash because, yeah, he did take opportunities and he did... What he did is sometimes he didn't correct people if they called him the creator of dot, dot, dot. Yeah, the yeah. creator mm-hmm. of Spider-Man. Yeah. He would never go, well, actually, that was Steve Ditko, yeah, yeah. you know, who helped me. Mm-hmm. You know, But the bottom line is without Stan Lee, there would be no Marvel as we know it. Mm-hmm. Full stop. It's mm-hmm. that simple. I mean, he created social media community before that existed. That was what's so amazing about it. He created this personality, this community, where you weren't just reading the comics, you were part of a fan club. Mm. He had this thing called Stan Soapbox where he would talk about anything and he had the... He would write... It was very meta. He would break the fourth wall. He would put little asides in the comics in the Mm. 60s and say, like, you know, yeah, we didn't think that storyline through either, reader, but please bear with us. Things like that, which was no one was doing. Yeah, and there was, like, Marvel uh, characters were very distinct because they were they were flawed. Yeah, they were what he called was they they had feet of clay. So, you know, they were human first superiors second. So, okay. like the first page of Sp- the first ever Spider-Man story. Yeah. Um it's like it's just him as a as a school kid being picked on by teased like they did some I'm paraphrasing but they're like he would know a hot step from a shoe shuffle what a loser because <laughs> it's the 60s and it's like you know the point is he still couldn't... so relevant exactly I mean <laughs> your dance skills are appalling I mean but that was the thing he was he had problem with girls he was a nerd he was an outsider he had problems with studies and he had his mm. parents in it mm. and on top of that he was also a superhero. And they all had that. Fantastic Four was they were squabbling. They were a family. They bickered, yeah. You know, and and they weren't. You know, they they had all these personality traits first. You know, Thor was a very, an arrogant, 
God, mm-hmm. but also the, the in the in the comic he he transforms into a guy called Donald Blake. That's what they didn't put in the films. Mm-hmm. And Donald Blake was like a kind of weaselly, crippled sort of doctor. And the first Thor story has him, you know, lamenting the fact that a girl he fancies won't fancy him back, where she mm. fancies Thor, and it's all about his own insecurities and. That's what he tapped into. I mean, don't forget also we're talking 1961 to 1965. Basically, all those characters that we've seen were created. It's incredible. Mm. Yeah, it was okay. a massive purple patch. Wow. 61 was Fantastic Four, and then they rolled on. Then it was Hulk. Then it was Thor. Then it was Iron Man. Then it was um, Spider-Man. Then it was the Aven- the Avengers and the X-Men came out in the same month. <laughs> what? Avengers number one and X-Men number one came out in, in, in the cover date was September, I think, of 60. Mm. Or four or something like that, but it just they just bang went bang 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 bang, mm. and they they it was like it's like between them all they stumbled on a formula, and it resonated, because they were seen as the plucky underdog because you can't really top Superman, yeah they DC but that's the issue with Superman also that's why I've, uh, it's yeah kind no, that's why the downfall of Superman a yeah, little yeah. bit because he's just so he's, he's boring amazing. yeah. Because he's, but then that's all he had to be because he was the first superhero. Even his little story is fascinating. They basically pulled that out of a drawer when they were trying to find new ideas. And Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster were these two kids from Cleveland, two Jewish kids from Cleveland who came up with this character and submitted it. Um, and they went, great, thanks, we'll put it in the pile. Mm. And it literally was the whim of someone who's going, well, let's see what we've got in the file because we need to come up with something. And they pulled this out and went, well, this might have legs. Mm-hmm. And it was the iconic shot that you see of him holding that. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 number you one. And, um, and the rest is action comics, yeah, and the rest is history. But Superman didn't need to have anything extra because there wasn't anyone like him. Mm. Yeah, but okay. he can't relate to him because he's the son, he's an alien. Mm-hmm. And you can't relate to the thing, is, ah, but what about Batman? You know, can you relate to Batman because he's got no superpowers? He's human. He's, yeah, but he's got a fucking butler. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a billionaire, <laughs> mm-hmm. or a millionaire in those days, and mm-hmm. like you can't relate to that. He was a kind of he was a mixture of the Scarlet Pimpernel meet Zorro. He was like this kind of you know he was someone from the higher classes who then by night, due mm. to his trauma, would then go and avenge, you know, crim- you know all the innocent people everywhere. Mm. You know, and then Wonder Woman take out his trauma on all the yeah. Criminals. Basically, that's the yeah. thing. That's what I think that Batman. I have to say, is, even though I've written this book, my Batman has always been my favorite because I just like the fact that he is this deeply damaged. Like he's just basically reliving that night his parents were killed. Yeah. Every every I would like to think that Batman. Every criminal he punches in the face is the guy who shot his parents, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like that kind of arrested development through this kind of trauma yeah. that he never worked through. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and forget about Wonder Woman. That's she's terrible. an Amazonian princess. I mean, so yeah. they, the DC the Holy Trinity had that yeah. and they had the Justice League and Stan had been doing this for 20 years he started just before the war working for Marvel Comics when it was known as Timely Comics before it got renamed as Marvel hmm. and he was 40 just shy of 40 when all this started so it's a very interesting lesson in sticking your guns playing the long game or maybe that's giving him too much credit but it's it's a good lesson and you never know what's going to happen he yeah. was 20 years behind he was sick of doing because they've been churning out pulp titles of all genres because his boss who ran Timely Stroke Marvel was mm-hmm. a guy called Martin Goodman who was actually family mm-hmm. so nepotism was a big thing about stuff mm. but he was very cynical he went find out what people like and make more of them mm-hmm. and so he would churn out horror novel store comics uh, cowboys you know a bit risque stuff comedies the funnies mm. and Stan was so sick of it because they weren't interested in character and he had ideas delusions of grandeur wanting to create the great American novel Mm. So the story goes as Stan will tell you, because this is the thing about Stan. A lot of it is a little okay. Did you say? Did that happen, or is that the story you? That the narrative mm-hmm. you've spun? Mm-hmm. And he, his wife, Joan, said to him, "Well, you're going to quit 
his boss, Martin, said, we need to come up with a family. We need to come up with a new kind of superhero, a team, a superhero team. There hasn't been a superhero team in ages. The DC um, has Justice League, etc. We need something. And, um, and he, he said, well, I'm not interested. I don't want to do this anymore. So his wife said, well, why don't you do what you want to do? Come up with characters you're interested in. And if they fire you, you've got nothing to lose anyway because you were going to quit. Mm-hmm. So he came up with the fan- with Jack Kirby, who insists he did more of it than Stan, but that's a whole other mess that's in the book. Um, who's an art? Who was basically the the artist at Marvel? Mm. He was the guy. He co-created Captain America twenty years earlier, and he's just the guy. He's he's one of the most influential. Art, comic book artists of all time, Jack Kirby. The King? Yeah, The King. I posted about on social media. So he co-created all of them, mm-hmm. except Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, really, pretty much. Mm. But they came up with Fantastic Four, and the rest was history, because these guys were a family, and they fought and argued. And but but there's, there's a big gap between Marvel creating these characters that we know now today. There's, there's a large gap of comic books that were popular, and they were like... But they were, they were still like subculture. Like the, the, and yeah. then bang, the Marvel movies came out. And... Yeah, I mean they were they were seen as. What was interesting in the sixties is they became read by college students. Yeah, because Stan had a bit more creative license about what he did, and he would reference things, and it was a bit knowing. And as I said, it was meta, mm-hmm. and it became cool. They were seen as the plucky underdog, and people liked to read Marvel. Mm-hmm. And he created this community of the Merry Marvel Marching Society, and you know where you you join the Marvel fan club and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there were various efforts. Every so often, DC would just throw a fucking bombshell into the mix and disrupt everything. Like in 1966, boom, Batman TV mm-hmm. series, which was a phenomenon. Yep. Mm-hmm. I say in the book, there's two types of Americans. There's those who have have seen the Batman TV series and those who don't own a TV. Now, yeah, every, yeah. And everyone's seen it. Yeah. To this day, the legacy of Adam West and that pal sort yeah. of thing. I've seen it. Like, yeah, everyone remember seen it. it was yeah. on Danish yeah. television. Exactly. It was on yeah. Global. It was yeah. a huge hit. It only lasted a couple of years. But then Marvel, they really stumbled and stuttered around. They were trying to get their first efforts into TV were cartoons that weren't great. Mm. They made an animated series that was what they called limited animation. So it was all like the same frames and oh, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, they did a Spider-Man one. That's the one where we've got the Spider-Man theme that everyone knows now. Um and they just faltered. And then the, there was the Incredible Hulk in the 70s. Uh, and they kept trying to get their, their their characters into cinema, but it just didn't work. Stan flew over. He, he gave up his New York comic book career. And in 1980, he flew to New, to Los Angeles, where he lived for the rest of his life. That's when he was basically tasked with, we want you to help get this stuff on the small screen or the big screen. Mm-hmm. And there were so many... Uh, okay, so this was years in the making then. Yeah, yeah, years yeah. in the making. This wasn't just like somebody picking up a script one day no, no. and going, oh, fuck it, yeah, let's do and this. And it was very complicated. They, the, uh, lots of the studios owned the rights, which is yeah. why X-Men was owned by Fox. As yeah, well. X-Men was first for yeah, ages. Yeah. And then, and then Fanta- that was owned by Fox, as was Fantastic Four. Spider-Man so, had to Sony, change over. Yeah, yeah. Columbia. Yeah, there was a weird time yeah. in the 90s where, um, which would have been great, um, which was uh, James Cameron, right off the back of Terminator 2, was going to make Spider-Man. Mm. And there were rumours that it was going to be Michael Bean, who was uh, Reese in Terminator and Hicks and Aliens. He mm. was the guy who so I thought was great. Mm. He should have been one of those, why weren't you a bigger star than you were? Because you were yep. really good. He was going to be To be fair, he's been in some fa- been huge some movies. Huge I mean, movies. Yeah. <laughs> but he was proper leading man. Yeah, yeah. He could act. Yeah. Mm. Gorgeous looking guy that yeah. could act and can do the hero thing. You know, and he has been in some great movies. But he was, you know, that would have been great. I thought that could be Spider-Man with Cameron at the peak of his power. Yeah. But he couldn't get, it was a mess. He, he turned in a, a like a five-hour script 
you know, and it was just a mess. And then everything got messy. And then he went and worked on a small film about a boat that sank. <laughs> um, but there were all these things, and these things were in development hell. And there were some really strange things in there. There was a Fantastic Four film that was basically made as a tax dodge. I saw that. That one. I've what? seen that. Roger yeah. Corman yeah. produced it. And. It's there, been buried. Like Marvel have since bought it and archived it. Okay. You can't see it. Of course you can because of the internet. Mm. It's fucking awful. <laughs> but it's interesting to see. They have, they're, they're even, it's like, pla- like the, 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 yeah, the, the thing. thing is like, it's just like a crappy like a bloke in a mesh, suit. like a, stunt, a, a stunt paper mache suit. suit. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. But it even apparently got to the point where the actors were being prepped for their red carpet moment and the premiere and doing the press junket. Mm. And then it's kind of transpired that the people involved had no intention of this film ever seeing the light of day. Hmm. And it's just disappeared. Um, were they going to... Because isn't it that if you... And this is what the... Because there's been like, fuck it, what, seven, six... Spider-Man movies now or something like that with three different Spider-Men. Uh, and they're all going to be in the next yeah. one, which is really exciting. What? Because they're doing the multiverse theory. Are they? So there's rumours that oh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and all like They've already <laughs> confirmed the guy who played Doctor Octopus is in this. So they're, like, okay. they're doing the multiverse oh, thing my where goodness. they might have some weird scene. Because Doctor Strange is in this one as well. Uh-huh. So it's all going to go oh, weird. Okay. And, and Scarlet Witch, fresh off the back of WandaVision, is going to be in this as well. Wow. And it's all going to go weird and multidimensional. This. So it'd be really cool if they pull a bit of a coup and you stumble upon that basically the idea is those Spider-Man movies was a parallel universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, well, that's, that's a smart thing that's, to do. I mean, but Marvel's great at being quick off the bat with those things. But before, like, but in reality, we, we all know that, like, they try to revamp and bring new characters in and then bring in the Marvel Universe and everything. Mm. But in, in reality, a lot of these are revamping like bringing Garfield in to be Spider-Man or the cat yeah yeah the Garfield (laughs) cat it was a real twist (laughs) Bill Murray's Uh, not going to be up but if they don't use it they lose the rights right they don't make a movie they're really secure now there was was a big wobbly but like for the 90s or the 2000s when they were the original they had to make it again because they lose the rights to Spider-Man if they don't keep making movies it it was a bun fight it really was and the turning point Basically, a toy company. When Mar- this is the thing. Marvel went under in the nineties. Mm. It basically created its own bubble that burst, mm. and it went bankrupt, filed for bankruptcy, and that's what's so incredible. This was the nineties, and now they're this huge, all-conquering, you know, brand. Yeah, and they went under the comics, and um, they were basically salvaged by uh, a toy company run by uh, two Israelis. Uh, one of whom is Avi Arad, whose name you'll see at the beginning of all these films. He was a toy maker and a fan. And he was the one that basically ushered in making, like, let's set up, let's make Marvel Studios, we can make stuff. But they still have to wrangle the rights. But he's responsible for X Men. He was responsible for getting Spider Man working. Mm-hmm. He made the successful ones. Mm. But. Did Spider Man become. Was that before? Or was it X Men first? X Men was 2000. And then. Spider Man was like 2002. Okay. But the one that started the ball rolling, which I love. This is the thing. The one, the f- there's one film that kickstarted the Marvel Cinematic. Blade. Yeah. Blade. Oh yeah, Blade. <laughs> in '98, yeah. it was just, it was this dark horse that came out of nowhere, yeah. and it was yeah. a massive hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it it out it outperformed uh, these big tentpole films of that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what that did was it it was symbolic because it was like, oh, we can make a film that's uh, not just Adam West, Power Bang, yeah. <laughs> Batman kind of thing, mm. and it paved the way. That was New Line. Cinemas mm-hmm. made that, and a new line went on to then raking. That new line basically had Nightmare on Elm Street 
in their back catalogue. Mm. And then New Line Cinemas did the deal of that time with Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson. Ah. So New Line Cinemas made that. Uh, but they also made Blade. And then Blade opened <laughs> Which the is door. a Marvel character. Yeah, he's a, yeah this is okay. the great thing. He was, um, he was co-created by, uh, is it Gene Colan and Marv Wolfman? I'm testing my... They created him in the mid-70s. Okay. And he was just this cool, you know, part vampire. So mm. he had all the strengths under their wings. Yeah, he was, you know, and, he, and he's, he's fucking cool yeah. as a character. <laughs> yeah. um, and they're just relaunching it now within the MCU with the, true, the Oscar yeah. winner, the guy from... What? Really? Yeah, I can't pronounce his name uh, due to my own ignorance. He's the guy that won the Oscar for that thing with Viggo Mortensen as his driver. Oh, yes. And the Green Book. The yeah. Green Book, yeah. And he was I can't in his name. Moonlight. Yeah. Think. Anyway, yeah. him. He's yeah. going to be played. Wow. He's, so oh, it's yeah. a bit of a coup. So yeah. where, where, where does it stand now? Like, uh, we went from, like... It, At least... It, it went from... Um, <laughs> uh, comic books sold to sell... Chewing gum and stuff like that, like penny magazines, comic books, to kind of ten cents, ten cents an issue. Yeah, to to college students and kind of like people who are into the art and stuff like that in the like eighties, nineties, to the world now, right? Well, they, like they, it's thrown at your face. Like this is Marvel but Universe. That's Disney. So, but 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 what is the the where where does it stand? Like in the sense of like. Do they still are comic books still important? Is the idea of like superheroes a thing that we can still play on? Like, are there going to be more? Is it finished I, I, now? Is it going to get bigger? No, I, I don't do think, think it'll ever go away. I think there's 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 several factors involved. One is the timeless quality of it that's made them endure since the 30s, mm. which is as it's been said before that they are our our Greek myths. Yeah, you know, they are archetypes. Mm -hmm. They are stories of great strength and fallibility and and all the emotion that's thrown in, and that's one of the things that Stan was so proud of because he had these high-voluting ideas and he wanted to bring in this kind of, you know, his Shakespearean tragedy into certain elements. This is why Thor was a good vessel for that because they all spoke, these Asgardians, they all mm. spoke in this kind of theatrical prose. Yeah. You know, so there's that sense where they're timeless. I mean, the story, of, I mean, we go back, the story of Superman is, a, is an immigrant story. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's two Jewish guys from Cleveland. It's not, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be a psychologist to see that. That's what it is. He was a guy, put, it's the Moses story, mm. put in a basket and sent to another planet yep. where he's a beacon of hope and someone that succeeds whilst living another life. So there's this kind of Jewish immigrant analogy. Interestingly, in the book, there were so many, not just Jews, but Romanian Jews in the comic book story. It's very interesting. My mm. early chapters deal with the birth of comic books. Stan was from Romanian Jewish descent. Okay. Mm. But they, they keep popping up. It's amazing. Weirdly, Romanian Romanian Jewish immigrants hmm. seem to be single-handedly in this comic book. Um, the guys that created Batman were just a couple of years above him in the same school. No way. Yeah, Bob Kane and Bill Finger. You know, and he became very good friends with Bob Kane. And I think he learnt a lot about some of the more dodgy ways to behave, to take the glory. Wow. Bob Kane is another story. He basically just squashed his co-creator, who died in his late 50s, an alcoholic in obscurity, whereas Bob Kane took all the glory as Batman created by Bob Kane. Yeah. Poor old Bill Finger. Yeah. He got forgotten. Hmm. And it's only now his name pops up in credits. I think it's only been one film which says Batman. You know, we say at the beginning of the credits, Batman created by, and it'll say Bob Kane hmm. and Bill Finger. But that, so I'm... I'm to, to, to reverse back on it, there's that thing. But I also think, cynically, the people that grew up, people my age, for example, mm. are now in positions of power within the Hollywood system. Mm -hmm. And they want to uh, see okay. these things yeah, on yeah, screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and that's why I, 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 I have very little truck with people moaning about um, every film is a superhero film, there's too many of them. First of all, that's not true. Second of all, if you don't like them, don't go and see them. 
No one's holding a gun to you. Thirdly, I've been waiting for these things to be on the beach all <laughs> my life. So it's tapping into my arrested development, as it does millions of man-children like me around the world. Mm. Like, I, in the 90s, one of my favourite comic book arcs was the Infinity Gauntlet mm-hmm. story. So, like, you know, in little things, like, when I first saw the Marvel, they were building to this. So I'd mm. seen, if you're a fan, the signs on the wall before we got to those big Avengers films. Like, oh, my God, it's Thanos. They're bringing in Thanos. It's going to be the Infinity Gauntlet story. That's amazing because I know what's going to come, all that. Mm. So I got very excited. So they would have to really drop the ball for me to not want to go and see that film. And Mm. I think there's a lot of people like that. Um, I think there is a certain cowardice amongst uh, production studio execs where they're scared to take a gamble, so they'll... They want a bankable hit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is and this is the zeitgeist now. Like, yeah, it is. It is. I, I mean, I think that safety there is, in what you know. You know. I yeah. Mean, yeah. But I think there is a backlash. I mean, I think like you know, when Scorsese coming out and uh, oh, not calling for they're not proper film films. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, mm. But then I think what's funny about Scorsese is um, he should He's just, short. Well, yes, yeah, <laughs> he should. Having seen the appalling CGI de aging of the Irishman, <laughs> it actually yeah, made yeah. me think he should shut up and stick to making his films because he was completely out of his depth trying to do that like marvel do de-aging very well yeah. so like he was dipping his toes into yeah, yeah, film yeah. technology that was so distracting because everyone knows what de niro looked like when he was in his 20s because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we've got we his on film yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and so like you saw it wasn't a young de niro it mm. was an old de niro with less wrinkles and there's this awful scene in the irishman where joe pesci who looks 500 yeah turns yeah. to and goes hey kid what's your name <laughs> yeah. and then de Niro's like, <laughs> and he's just waddling off and it's and it's like I don't buy this, and then and then to prove it, yeah, only weeks after it, you saw people who were using free free computer software mm. to do a better version, yeah, yeah, yeah. deep fake, like that's yeah. clearly yeah. Why didn't they do that? Mm. I would I would say just get a, another actor, man. I totally agree. Just yeah. get stop it, it stop never doing, bothered you growing actor. up when you're watching no. films yeah. and a younger yeah. get actor. Get a good play. actor to do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, so the book is called um, Stanley and How Marvel Changed the World. Which is a big uh, claim, isn't it? It's a big claim. Yeah. But Did it. Let's, let's, let's... Well, look at it. I mean, I think my main argument for that is basically the, 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 the culmination of where we are now, which is Marvel has changed the face of entertainment insofar as the Hollywood, yeah, I, I the Hollywood machine is dominated by the... The MCU is the most... Mm. Uh, it's it's the the highest grossing film franchise in history. But isn't that classic Hollywood though? That they will tap into whatever is sort of the the, yeah. the thing happening right now, but, and then they will. No, they will do. But I think that the uh, Hollywood is very quick to turn its back on on the thing they once embraced if it goes tits up. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, and even within superheroes, we saw that, like, how quickly did Batman nosedive when Joel Schumacher got hold of it and yeah. after Tim Burton's too. Mm. You know, Batman and Robin is he buried a franchise. You mm. know, him and George Clooney single-handedly killed the Batman franchise for years. Yeah. And it took, you know, Batman Begins to bring it up. Superman died a death in Superman 4, which is awful. And it's then unwatchable. again in Superman Returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, I think that they... They turn their back on it, and it's that classic case of it's so superficial in Hollywood where they go, all my friends have suddenly disappeared because I'm no longer cool. Yeah. <laughs> but what I think is they've managed to create this almost watertight machine. And what I think is interesting is because they've taken, and it's Kevin Feige, or Feige, um, the producer of the whole thing. He's the one who single-handedly basically shepherded the MCU into what we have now. He was the one that went... that 
you know, helped curate Iron Man in 2008 and had the vision. These are all going to interlink. They're in phases. It's fantastically the written. It's Fant- like, written. To, 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 like, okay, there's good and bad movies in, in the Marvel yeah, yeah. series, mm. but like, my God, the way you can inter- like intertwine all those movies perfectly and have like, I would say, I've never checked, but little to no continuity issues between storyline. I mean, there's, that's There's none. Amazing. And they've made 18 to 20 films now. Yeah. Since 2008. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just that in itself shows that. And, and I think what they get right every time, and yeah. they haven't dropped the ball once, is the casting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they always nail the cast. Except like, for um, Edward Norton. Yeah, but, that, but that's <laughs> like kind of the, unwa- the unwanted movie. bastard son yeah, of the yeah. MCU. Yeah, yeah, They'd yeah. started it, and Tony Stark makes a cameo at the end to yeah. show it is connected. But yeah, that all went tits up. But then, but I mean, like you know, it's that thing of Downey Jr. was born to be Tony Stark. Mm. You can't imagine anyone else in the role. No. So they had to, when he dies, spoiler alert, they had to make sure that you know they're not going to bring it back. I mean, Chris Evans, I, I he's my favourite. Because Captain America in the wrong hands could be such an awful, you know, really sort of jingoistic and earnest and sincere and yeah, just boring. Yeah. yeah, boring. Yeah. But he brought this level of sensitivity to it. Mm. Actually, like, I could, I could, I like this guy. I can <laughs> see why people might follow him into battle. No, I, 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 would, I would, I would, I wouldn't disagree with the fact that it's undeniable the effect Marvel has had on the world now mm. with this and what would it, how well known it is. Like, I would say, like. Marvel characters on on the level of Jesus with rec- being recognisable at this stage. Well, apparently right? they say that. Like, you know, really? They say like, Should I just thought it came up with a really good quip? But okay, <laughs> but you um, can still do it, and I will laugh. It's <laughs> yours. But it, it, I, I, it's it's huge. But the the idea of world, right? So this was a very American centric creation. Hugely, right. and, and I would say New York centric. Yeah, mm. uh, and and the the ideals of like, um, the, and we, I know we're saying that like it's it's like a Greek story in the sense of like you know highs and lows and and, yeah. and um, being triumphant and overcoming issues and stuff. But it is a very like uh, American dream becoming something strong and saving the world. Blah 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 blah. Like these are all very those Western centric ideas. So what do you think after writing and doing your research and interviews and stuff? What do you think? the the translation of that is around the world now like do people still take that idea in in a a very uh like kind of oh this is this is cool this is just a, a, a fictitious world or is this something that's affecting people now like in Denmark you live in Denmark you have a Danish family what do you think the Danes take of of the Marvel universe well I remember the Danes would like uh, Yendelor would kick in pretty damn quick right mm-hmm. and they go like just rein it in Rain, yes. it, rain it in, Tony. <laughs> That's yeah. it, right? With your ideas, yeah. you know, and your tech. Yeah. yeah. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Flying around in your, in your... Why is your suit not either black, grey or white? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what we have here. This, this fire yeah. apple red and gold combination yeah, yeah, is yeah. ostentatious. <laughs> yeah. You know, go, go somewhere else for that. Mm. Um, I don't know. I think that they tap into universal truths, okay. which is why it's global. Mm-hmm. I really think they do. I mean, it's it's all about hubris and arrogance and you know, transformative experiences. I don't but, mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. but it, it is actually kind of an interesting question uh, because there has also... America as a country has definitely sort of fallen on the sword a bit in terms of their sort of... Um, reputation around the world, yeah, yeah. like the. You know. but, but what's interesting about these these characters is they roll with that and they adapt it. I mean, what's interesting in the seventies, they created a whole load of characters to reflect what was interesting. Like they, it was a symbiotic thing. So Marvel, you know, they realized, oh look, kung fu movies are big now from from Hong Kong. So mm. they created Iron Fist, that was one of the shows, oh, yeah, yeah. things like that. You know, they created Luke Cage. You know, is African American, and then uh, you know, an African with Black Panther. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 did tap into what was interesting. 
horror movies were big in the 70s they started producing you know horror partly where Blade came from mm. yeah. let's kill vampires yeah. um, so there's a symbol to where they respond everything got a bit more cynical like the, the character of the Punisher for example you know he's from the same universe that Scor- ironically Scorsese's films are like Taxi Driver mm. and Mean Streets oh, you know mm. it's like it's a broken city yeah. where the organised crime is running amok the police aren't doing enough so mm. they bring in a, a jaded traumatised Vietnam veteran yeah. tapping into bat- and a that's product of his own society yeah. 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 and it's like he's doing what they're not prepared to do so there is that sense where they um, they're responding to what's around them but back to America what's very interesting for me is say Captain America they, they doubled down on that like he knew and they talk about it in the films and they've explored it in the comics like when he was around in the 40s before he went on ice you know, the character knew who the bad guys were. It was Hitler, it was the Nazis. Mm. And, you know, the whole story arc in the Captain America films is, he, you know, he becomes a criminal and goes on the run because he refuses to work for the government, mm. the American government, because they become now the bullies. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of Steve Rogers is he doesn't like bullies. That's mm. all it is. Because he was a scrawny little yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. And he, but he's brave and he stands up to bullies. Yeah. So now he comes to, he's like, I don't understand the world anymore because the bullies seem to be the ones I'm working for. Mm. And so he can't handle that and then it's all about him doing the right thing so i think that's he's a he's a deceptively interesting character yeah because america is such a contradictory place where it you know in the war it was you know we're going to wade in there and help the allies and you know Mm. we're standing for all the things that the flag was created yeah and now they are the bullies who will go into another country you know and and Mm. take it down you know like iraq yeah like afghanistan they'll do all these things what do we do with this Hmm. And um, and I think grounding the Marvel universe being grounded in in reality is also you shouldn't underestimate that importance of it. Like DC, Batman lives in Gotham City, Superman lives in Metropolis. They're fictitious cities. He deliberately put them all in New York, but all even down to address. So like you know, Doctor Strange lives on Bleecker Street in Greenwich mm. Village. Mm. You know, the Avengers Terror is in Midtown. Uh, Peter Parker is from Queens. Steve Rogers is from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But it's very interesting. So that meant when 9-11 happened, there's a very powerful uh, Spider-Man comic where you just the cover is just him looking over the debris of the two towers. Mm-hmm. Just nothing to say. Yeah. Okay. You know, because they're like, I think it was, you know, this is the thing is, you know, with the super superheroes don't exist. It's like it's a stark reminder they don't exist mm-hmm. and they couldn't do anything to stop that. Mm. And it's that that was I mean they I mean, when the Spider-Man film came out, there was a teaser trailer which is showing a helicopter caught in the web. That he'd obviously spun between the two towers, mm. and they had to okay, completely bury. Oh that yes, train. I remember that. Yeah, yeah I remember hearing that. Well, we can't show that now because yeah. they don't exist. Yeah. So I think there's there's, but maybe then is that maybe more how Marvel has changed the just changed the world? Maybe maybe they've definitely have a massive influence on 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 Hollywood mm. and sort of how they're producing films and also in terms of technology and CGI yeah. and all of this. But but maybe that like how they have been quite. Um, good at sort of tapping into what is happening in, in the world and trying to sort of... Um... Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point. I should have put it in the book. <laughs> um, but I think it is this symbiotic thing that they were they were lean and agile and aware enough because the thing is that they weren't hip. Mm. Well, this is the funny thing about when, you know, everyone goes, hey, but it was hip, it was cool, it was particularly, like, you know, it was psychedelic, it was the 60s. Mm. But, you know, the, the, the guys who were create, sitting in what they called the bullpen, it's what they called the creative hub of Marvel, the Marvel bullpen in the 60s, they were all cigar-chomping 
men in their 40s in, in <laughs> flannel and tweed. You know, they were like old school avatars. They only brought in the cool cats coming in when it's like, we need some new blood in. Yeah. There's, a, there's an artist called Jim Steranko who does brilliant stuff with like collage and mm. photo work and stuff. And that was really ahead of its time. He's one of the few that's still with us. Mm. But what he did was very interesting. But he was, you know, he went on to be a consultant on Hollywood movies and stuff. But he brought in a different thing. But that was in the, towards the end of the 60s. You know, but by and large, they were like, what? What are we doing? I don't know. Let's have a whiskey, you know. And so there was a lot of that. So they weren't, but they kind of, and that goes back to Stan. He he also, he actually didn't want to politicise any of his characters. That was mm. another interesting thing. He didn't want to that's do that. That's just good. That's just common sense, right? If you're like, that, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, yeah, don't yeah. pick a side. You don't want to back Nixon. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so did you, did you, so this, you were writing this for a year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I finished it. A year ago, pretty yeah. much exactly a year ago. Okay. On the, I remember it was on my. I, deli- I delivered the manuscript on my birthday last year, which is the twenty third of March. That's this month. Oh. Um, yeah, and it was a year. Donations can be sent <laughs> to Adrian's house, PO Box One, Posterbrook. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I finished it a year. I was six months research and interviewing mm. and then six months writing. Did you come across anything in particular in your research and stuff that like you took to, for yourself as in like anything new or anything uh, from, well, from so- talking to these people? <laughs> well, Because this is something that you like you, you've, you've mentioned that you read these comic books, you were involved, like you were a fan of this for years before. So, Well, I, I find it particularly interesting the kind of the scrabbling around to take credit. And I think I've seen that in my own career working in TV Uh, back in the UK, where you have taken credit for a lot of things. Absolutely, I mean, I invented Monty Towers, John Cleese just on his own. No, I created John Cleese in a lab. He's a super soldier. Um, you know, he's he's spiraling out of control, like Frankenstein. So many whites. <laughs> I can't, I can't uncreate his his ridiculous comments about Brexit. Um, but. Uh, No, insofar as whenever something is successful, then suddenly people come out of the woodwork to say that they did it. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's, it's, you know, like Jack Kirby basically had issues with Stanley till the day he died mm. in the 90s. Uh, he, and, and he, but he didn't really do himself any favours because he would come out. There was one notorious interview where Jack Kirby said, like, Stan did nothing. He was like 12 when he joined Marvel. He was an idiot. He was an ass. I did everything. I gave them the whole template. He's like, that's not true. Mm. And, you know, it's just you can prove that that's not true. They have the documentation of what... The thing is, Marvel had a creative... This is interesting from a creative perspective. They had a thing called the Marvel Method, which has basically made it impossible for anyone to take sole credit where say Stan would come up with an idea or a writer would come up with an idea and then give it to an artist mm-hmm. and the artist would then go and draw it and fill in as best we can and then they knocked it about a bit so it's very difficult to get right. clear credit so it's like a collaborative it's a collaborative thing yeah. you know and then uh, because they had to churn these things out there's only so many of them sometimes the ones the more trusted artists were just let to get on with it and that would include the storylines Mm. But because it's a grey area, since then they were going. Well, I came up with that. It's like it's like a, a, a bar, a scale. How much was the writer and how much was the artist? Mm-hmm. And that's. I think that's very interesting because that still stands. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that in the creative world where, you know, and Stan would say, like, I believe there was a very interesting BBC documentary with Jonathan Ross about Steve Ditko who created Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Now Ditko is very interesting because at the height of his success, he walked away from Marvel. He was in the 60s and never returned. 
and he didn't die till 2018 and he was a notorious recluse he never did interviews mm. there's like five photos of him in existence okay and yet this is the man who co-created spider-man mm. um and uh he would never talk about it mm. um and he no one knows quite why he quit but there's this doc, Jonathan Ross documentary. He gets Stan on the spot. He says, "Look, Stan, did you create?" And it's basically Stan's like saying, "If you know, I'm happy. If Steve wants to say he co-created Spider-Man, I'm fine with that. He's a wonderful creative." But then he says, he pauses and goes, "But I wish I hadn't said that now because I really believe that the guy who comes up with the idea is the creator." Hmm. But it's like, yeah, but you didn't draw. Yeah. That iconic red and blue suit, <laughs> which is weird because you wouldn't think a spider super would be like that. Yeah, that took a bit of imagination. Yeah, to give yeah. it those you'd, colors and stuff. You'd think yeah. why wouldn't you have extra yeah. arms or just be, you know, black or suit? Or, yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds really like... hairy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got eight legs, clearly. Eight legs. Vomit up, acid, yeah. <laughs> regurgitate, and then eat it. I think I know why that wasn't. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, clearly it's it's the this uh, story, and when I say story, it's not just Stanley. It's it's Marvel where it is today, and the effects is that it's not as black and white comic book pages as you'd expect. It's quite no, complicated and there's a lot of different but, opinions and stuff. And that's what one thing I want to get across with the book without plugging it is that I deliberately wrote this book so you don't have to be interested in comic books or something. It's fine, interesting. Um, apart from anything else with the creative side to it, I, I, this book is essentially a, a, a romp through 20th century entertainment mm-hmm. because Stan Lee was a professionally active for like 75 years of that. Mm-hmm. so you know you can see the world change through his eyes and what he did so the book starts talking about like the death of vaudeville because of the birth of radio mm-hmm. and the birth of cinema yeah. and though that dying a death mm-hmm. and then the, then it moves into the birth of tv and then the struggles getting all this stuff made on tv and on radio and on film and then it moves into the online and digital space mm-hmm. and moving into streaming and it literally comes to the present day mm-hmm. so i think if you've got any interest in entertainment and how that works, then you'll find this interesting. Oh, fascinating. I, I Were there any radio uh, plays of superhero? Yeah, yeah. But interestingly, they did a radio. This was this was the interesting thing. It's a very one good example of what Stan did that was unique. It was brilliant. Is they did a record that they gave away for the fans of oh. them. He, he basically shepherded the team into a studio like this, and then did an awful contrived <laughs> scripted little radio skit. Uh-huh. He's going. He go. That's right. It's Stan Lee here. And who have I got here? Well, look who it is. It's Jack Kirby, yeah, what are you doing, Stan? You, you tight ass. <laughs> and he goes, I don't know. And then they all talk about, it and they and they gave that away. But like, they wanted to show the people behind yeah. the comics. Yeah. And there are whole comic books where suddenly, like the Fantastic Four, crash Stan and Jack's office. Yeah. And say, we, you know, we want you to write this story or something like that. Oh no, is Doctor Doom comes in saying, I want you to tell us stories to get the Fantastic Four to come here. Yeah. You know, so they completely merged. They, they they were very broke the fourth wall. Hmm. Wow. So, but like I said, they they did have some radio shows. But I mean, you know, he was Stan was influenced by radio comedy. Yeah. Um, as a kid, um, Edgar Bergen was one of his influences, who was a uh, a radio ventriloquist. Which I like exactly. It, it does. It worked. They was he was a, it was on the radio and he was a ventriloquist. Um, How did people know he was a ventriloquist? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. So but it, he was a big a big fan of that. But his character was kind of fast talking, whatever, and the dialogue was like that. That was the other thing. He wanted to make it real. Um, well, Stan Lee, How Marvel Changed the World is the book, and it's coming out 
31st of March. In available. It's available. Available. From the 31st of March. <laughs> Adrian McKinder, comedian, writer, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you in the studio. It's always yes. a pleasure to waffle in front of you. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading about Marvel and entertainment news. And the world. And the world. And the world. how it was changed it. by it. Always a pleasure having uh, Adrian McKinder in the studio. Thank you so much for Such coming in. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not a... Uh, um, uh, like, I've seen the films. I've, I've read a comic or two, but I'm, mm. I'm not, like, a super nerd. But I find, yeah, the sort of... The lore and the history around it and how much, yeah, Marvel has sort of uh, influenced, uh, yeah, pop culture in yeah. so many ways yeah. um, is... Is quite interesting, so mm-hmm. I'm definitely looking forward to his book. I have, uh, yeah, me definitely can't wait to read it. And I, I have, I have a, I have a, uh, uh, my thing with Marvel is I have the Wolverine origin story collection, the original copies. What I've got, the there's original. like, there's like, well, like it was only done in like 2000 or something like that. Like oh, the, okay. they, they did like this stream of the origin of Wolverine, and. I remember reading one chapter. A friend of mine read comic books on the bus I was on. I was in France at the time. I read that. And I was like, "This is cool, and this will be important." So I nicked that one off him. Yeah, I, I stole that one off him. Sorry, Rob, if you still <laughs> exist. Um, and then I bought each uh, copy until the, the series was over. Uh, and I have them in a box at home, expecting in like a hundred years' time that to be worth something. Oh, But yeah. you know what happened? Everybody else did the same thing. I'm sure there's hundreds of <laughs> thousands of people who have that. It's not exactly going to be high uh, high demand for that anytime soon. Maybe not. But it was a great read. It was a great read. Remember I bought a, a Spider-Man comic. And it was almost a little like the the drawings. There was a very sexy woman in it. And I was, I just hit my... Sexy woman phase. Yeah, no, yeah. my my teens, my yeah. early teens, and it, it was a tough read. Uh. <laughs> the story was very exciting, but yeah. there was also other things that yeah. made me very excited. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I decided comic a, books are you're just, blossoming. I was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a little sexual awakening there. Wow! Mm. See, so, it changed the world for so, in so many ways. <laughs> uh, Marius. Yeah. Uh, do you have any hot tips? I'm going a bit more rug, rusky, rusty voice now. Oh, yeah. That was sexy. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Hot tips. Hot tips. Hot tips. Any hot oh, tips, Marius? Oh, boy. For the I week ahead. Some hot tips. No, I do you. it. You don't do it. If we both do it, it just comes really creepy. Okay. One of us is funny. Two of us is just weird. Okay. Uh, yes, there is a, there is a hot tip for, for you lovely people out there. Yeah. There's three, actually. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is... Uh, Green Week um, at uh, yeah CBS. It's uh, hosted oh, by just across the road from us. Oikos uh, Copenhagen. Uh, this starts on the 16th of March, where there'll be a bunch of online lectures uh, or talks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, about sort of the the it's going green or it's about sustainability. Uh, so like the the future of sustainability, sustainable banking, for example. Um, how to build an impact startup in Copenhagen. Uh, from linear to circular com- economies, uh, sustainable investing, like a lot of sort of interesting talks yeah. around this. Uh, so, uh, if you want to educate yourself and learn a bit about uh, how to, I think prepare cool. for the future that we're living in right now. Can we? Can we? As as a as a non-student, can you just go in and sit in lectures? Yeah, yeah, you actually can. In like, real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just online. Not, no, no. 
Uh, well, not now, obviously. But when they're happening. When they're happening, Can yes, you just rock all in? lectures are open. Really? Yeah. Which I think is such a fucking cool thing. I need to pick something to learn about. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Maybe I... I'll start with the Green Week CBS. Maybe. 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 Uh, well, that's from the 16th of March to the 19th. Uh, check it out on Oikos uh, Copenhagen. Um, then um, more learning. Oh, yeah? For you out there um, wanting to uh, improve your Danish or just keep using your Danish if mm. you're learning Danish. So this doesn't apply to me. Yep. <laughs> uh, you can do a virtual uh, coffee break. Um With a Danish uh, teacher, uh, Rekke Kvarning. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is it a Danish name? Uh, Rekke is. It's That's spelled very Danish. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, her surname... Um, you're, not so, you're not so sure about that. I'm okay. not so sure okay. about that one. Okay. Um, but yes, uh, the idea is sort of... It's sort of all levels. Uh, um, so even if you're sort of very basic you can join in but uh, also if you're more advanced and you have sort of questions about sentence structuring or want to put in ikke or mm. some of these things or just want to practice your danish because that is the hardest thing and that's sort of really what you need to do uh, to talk it a lot then uh, on the 16th also there's this virtual uh, yeah coffee break nice you can uh, speak some danish <laughs> Right, ruin it. Completely ruin it. Very cool, very cool. Now, if, uh, if you're not interested in learning anything, oh yeah, you just wanna, you've just been missing a draft beer. Yeah, there's some options. Oh, they're uh, they're out there. Yeah, they can be found. Where? On Vestabro uh, Toe, for example. Uh-huh. Uh They, I think it's Toll, but I don't, I can't remember what the bar is. I went there. Mm-hmm. Uh wouldn't go today, but on a sunny day, mm-hmm. it's lovely. I saw when I went there, there was a bunch of people dressed in uh, full-on, uh, uh, you know, ski. Okay. Winter clothes, like yeah, yeah, ski clothes, yeah. and they brought skis and shit. So no oh, way. They this kind of uh, <laughs> after-ski kind Après, of... Après, yeah. yeah, 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 party yeah. Thing. Nice. Um, but yeah, right by the metro station on Vestable Tom. Yeah, yeah. You can get some draft beer. Uh, also, Café Riga. Um, is opening up also on Vestabro. Uh, they're opening up again uh, with some outdoor seating, I believe. There, it's a re- it's a really nice spot. And it's a really nice it's spot. A, the thing is, it's already an outdoor bar, so there's an, it's like it's as close to just going to the bar Ooh. as you can get. Okay, all right. That's all I'm saying. That's that's very that's, that's very te- tempting. That's all I'm saying. So uh, check out Cafeteria or uh, go to Vestabro and uh, get yourself a draft beer. I'm sure you've deserved it. You've earned it. It's about time. Go make yourself happy. Nice. Uh, thank you so much for the hot tips. Uh, check out the Copenhagen Post uh, for Copenhagen Post stuff. News. Uh, <laughs> news. Uh, check out, uh, um, uh, if you want to order Adrian McKinder's book, uh, Stan Lee and How Marvel Changed the World, it will be available on the 31st of March. Yes. But it's going to be more available... May June, <laughs> but yeah. you can order it online 31st of March. Um, uh, check out our Facebook page for links to the hot tips that Marius has just given us, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 that's the, that's the show. Take care of yourself out there. Yeah, thank you. All right, that was a good show. That was a good show. Are we still recording? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>